Welcome to How to Have Fun at Work. My name is Lynn Parker, and I spent years doing something I was good at, but not having any fun. Then one of my clients told me, women aren't funny. So I created Funny Women, and the rest is history. In this podcast, I talk to guests from both comedy and business. They have a lot more in common than you would ever imagine. What is midlife? When does this begin and when does it end? In a previous episode, I covered wisdom and the menopause, but this is a whole new ballgame. I've always disliked the term middle age, but surely that's more of a mindset. I've known people who are middle-aged in their 20s. Here to help me find the meaning of midlife, I have two expert guests. Welcome, Eleanor Mills and Rosie Wilby. Hello. Yay. Hello. Hello. Wonderful to introduce you to each other. Um, Now, let's first of all, let's meet Eleanor. Um, She is the founder and editor-in-chief of Noon, a new platform for women in midlife, which is trying to change the outdated narratives about the later stages of women's lives. I'd like to know about that. (laughs) She started her own new chapter last year, leaving the Sunday Times after more than two decades as a feature writer, interviewer, columnist, and latterly as the editorial director and award-winning editor of the Sunday Times magazine. Eleanor appears regularly on television and radio, and her publications include Cupcakes and Kalashnikovs and 100 Years of the Best Journalism by Women. Brilliant. I know Eleanor Best as the former chair of Women in Journalism, a post she held from 2014 until last year. And that's an organisation that I've been a part of for more years than I can even remember. (laughs) Eleanor, 20 years, more than 20 years at Sunday Times, which is amazing. And, you know, Funny Women's 20 next year as well. So we're parallel lives here. Parallel lives. (laughs) But yeah, 20 years. I mean, that's a long time to stay in one job. 23 years it was actually so I didn't stay in this I didn't stay in the same job the whole time I think the reason why I was there for so long was because I did so many different things I started off as the main interviewer and then um and I did a magazine and I was editor of the news review for years so but basically I've been a, I've been a hack ever since I left <laughs> a hackette as they would know one point. I love that um, expression yeah I'm, I've kind of done the full gamut of hackettness. Oh, um, brilliant. So for the last kind of a quarter of a century. But what I really realised doing that was that the stories of older women were really, really only rarely told. Mm. And when they were told, it was often a real battle to get them into the paper, even though they were often, obviously often very popular with at least half the readers. Um, but that, that nobody was really telling our stories and that the narratives around women in midlife, broadly kind of 40-ish to... 60, 65-ish, um, not well told. And that there's a whole new cohort of women coming into this space who are different. And that shows in the statistics. So in 20, the 2019 census, women over 40 started out earning women under 40 for the very Gracious. first time. Oh, that's brilliant. And that's a, and that's a shift. You know, that, yeah. that shows that women are staying in their careers. We're earning more money. We're not giving up when we have children. And therefore, there's a whole different kind of midlife woman out there. And the mainstream hasn't caught up with us. Well, more of that later, because I think there's a lot around this. My second guest is Rosie Wilby, an award-winning comedian, author and podcaster who has appeared many times on BBC Radio, uh, things like Woman's Hour, Saturday Live, Forethought. And much more importantly, she was a finalist in the 2006 Funny Women Awards. Weren't you? Yay! (laughs) 
Rose's first book, Is Monogamy Dead?, was long-listed for the Polari First Book Prize and followed a trilogy of solo shows investigating the psychology of love and relationships. Her new book, The Breakup Monologues, has just been published by Bloomsbury and is based on her acclaimed podcast of the same name. Rosie, a new book... And it all it even has a chapter about this mythical midlife. So uh, more of that later, eh? Yeah, absolutely. I think there are a lot of parallels between breakups and midlife because when we're at midlife, we're sort of breaking up with our old self in a way. Oh, and yeah. there is this time of transformation and liberation and reinvention. And interestingly, I've found that some of the highest divorce statistics are among the postmenopausal women who oh, are... gracious leaving their marriages now their kids have gone off into the world and finding new adventures because we live so much longer now in the old days many many generations ago women would have died at menopause (laughs) we we don't served our purpose so there's lots of interesting stuff to come to talk about don't tell my husband who of course um you've met (laughs) because he engineers this podcast anyway (laughs) right so uh let's talk about this midlife then um it has well you've both sort of answered the question already but has the image of this changed with the current generations um i want to refer back to my comment about middle age because i really hate that expression and then there's that sort of whole masculine connotation of midlife crisis i mean do women have midlife crisis eleanor let's come to you first I think they do, but I don't think midlife crisis is a very good way of putting it. I think if we're all living the 100-year life, and that's what the uh, life life expectations is now pretty well for, for women, then 50 is only halfway through. So I called my new website noon, as in the middle of the day, because at 50, it's like noon. We've got the whole of the afternoon and the evening to come, and we know that they're the most fun bits. So I, I think it's time for a kind of, a change of lens um, and really see this as an opportunity that by 50 you've established yourself you know who you are if you've had your kids then they're probably getting up and you know getting on you might have elderly parents that you're still caring for but I also think that it's a point where suddenly everything changes there's that sense that maybe you've lived more life than you've got left and that what what comes next really matters and all the things that you wanted to do you better get on with doing them quick or you're mm. not going to have any time so that's that slight sense of time's winged chariot kind of you know beating its path behind us but also I think there's just a great sense of opportunity and possibility and what moon is all about is is encouraging women into their next chapter showing them some inspirational stories of what might be possible other women who have done it and saying it's not over you're not washed up you're not it's not you're not over the hill this is not the end this is the beginning of a really exciting new phase where i like to think that you become the woman you're supposed to be um, yeah. that's that's how i try and frame it that this is that this we have when we're not over the hill just because the patriarchy no one no longer really wants to look at us when we're 50 and we can't have children anymore uh, for me this is the last battle of feminism this is saying women's lives beyond fecundity matter they matter to us they matter to the women coming up behind us so that they can see what's possible and I want all the younger women to think 50 as their age of opportunity and they Mm. get to do all the things that they really wanted to do they can have some fun they can be outrageous in America they call us queen ages 
Oh, oh yes, hey. I've heard that expression. Yeah. Uh, actually, someone sent me a WhatsApp the other day about Queen Ages. And yeah. Rosie, Rosie, you're like this. I read it as Queer Ages, actually. <laughs> which, which, given the group. Maybe that too. <laughs> well, maybe. Maybe. Rosie, Rosie, what, what happened? I mean, you know, lesbian relationships. We'll come back to that one. But, you know, what, what happens to us? In midlife, you know, I mean, Ellen has already talked about workplace and opportunity. And I have no idea where either of you are in the food chain because I'm so old now. You know, I'm, I'm, I am don't know what I am. Early evening, late afternoon. Cocktails. 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 That's well, good. I, I think I'm bang on noon because I'm 50 yeah. years old. So uh, I like am me. at the, the midday point. And I am feeling like I'm just getting going. And I think a lot of that is because I have come to a point where I know who I am and what I want. And my my work all about love and relationships has been how I've learned from some of my less good choices, shall we say. <laughs> some, <laughs> some of which have been beautifully documented in your shows and your books. Beautifully documented. <laughs> um, and how I've learned to make to make better choices and to try and do the things that work for me and do more of those and stop punishing myself uh, by, by doing things that I don't enjoy. And I think you can become more choosy when you realise that life and time are precious. And I think in some ways I've had the opposite journey to many women that I meet who start to feel invisible at midlife because I feel I've never been more visible and that is partly I mean we're, we're joking about queer ages or queen ages <laughs> um, but it's partly because the LGBT movement has come forward so yes. much and I am now engaged to be married for the first time at Yay! 50 years old Yay. And that is not something that I thought would be possible in my lifetime. You know, I was a student at 19 campaigning for same-sex marriage. And then in my 40s, I was sort of a bit radical and thought, well, why would I want to anyway? It's just a patriarchal construct. And and now, you know, I I do think it's something to celebrate that, that I can get married and get engaged and my partner and I did an article and a photo shoot for Good Housekeeping magazine which it just felt great to sort of (laughs) invade this very traditional magazine wonderful you know with this article about two women getting married and getting all dolled up for photo shoots and you know I feel I've had a new surge of creativity and energy in in my work life with the breakup monologues and this podcast and book that I feel you know, happy with as a product and I'm enjoying presenting the podcast and and turning that into a book. And I feel like I found an angle that is really juicy Mm. and interesting. And so, yes, I think really everything that I've done before has been a journey bringing me to this point where things are in many ways just getting going. What's up? This is How to Have Fun at Work with Lynn Parker, the founder of Funny Women. To find out how to have fun in your workplace, visit www.herlarious.co.uk. It's really interesting listening to both of you because I think you both have that ethos of and well the this podcast is called how to have fun at work and yeah that's a kind of broad term but you've turned your you know your sort of ideas and your passions into your work in your midlife and in fact 
I did exactly the same thing. I was 46 when I created Funny Women. So, you know, it, it, I think we have a little bit more bravado. I think you have less to lose. But, yeah, and um, the only thing I'm really pleased about is that I'm not quite old enough to be either of your mums because that's the other <laughs> thing that keeps happening to me now. Okay, I, I meet people and I think, oh, my God, they could be my daughter or my son. It's very scary. <laughs> so you've got all that to look forward to. Um, <laughs> Eleanor. Uh, over 20 years in journalism, uh, 23 at the Sunday Times, um, I started my career out in journalism. So I've seen a lot of changes in my career. My career is very long. Um, but, you know, how does that industry view women as they get older? Was there, um, was there actually a trigger moment where you thought, do you know what, I'm going to leave and I'm going to set up noon? What, what was that? What was that point? Well, I think that women, as I mean, it happens across our culture, begin to vanish from the from the mainstream. And I would have situations where, say, I had shot, uh, we'd had some beautiful black and white photographs shot of Charlotte Rampling. Actually, oh yes, and, she's beautiful. And I was, mm. Beautiful, you know. And I remember yeah. taking them up to one of the editors because, as editor of the magazine, your cover had to be passed by the main editor, and her them kind of going, mm, well, you know, we've got anything a bit fresher. Can oh, we brighten no. that up? How about running a picture of her when she was young? Yeah, quite a lot of that. Even if, and I, I'll really push back saying, well, look, this is a rather expensive shoe, and you know, it's important that we push the boundaries. Da, da, da. Um, so occasionally you could get something like that through. But basically, there was an idea that that ladies were there to um, brighten up pages, particularly mm. particularly in the old school. You know, that there would be, or if you had, I remember one particularly egregious example of an, some election coverage, which I, I'm ashamed to say I was in charge of. I was the focus editor there. And everyone was bored about the election. It was about electoral apathy. And we illustrated with, illustrated it with two young girls in bikinis going to the beach. So no. that was that was the kind of, to, to kind of make it look like something that people might want to read. So, so women were basically used as eye candy across newspapers and therefore older women didn't really get very much of a look at because if you were trying to if you were trying to brighten something up they were not going to cut it but but it, what was always interesting to me was the articles that we did about older women always performed really well and you began to see that on the digital metrics so when I was at the Sunday Times magazine we ran a big piece called the Forgotten Army which was about all the women who women who'd left their jobs to bring up their children and yeah. who never got back into their professions and I've never ran anything which had had such a huge effect so there were obviously lots of women out there who were who were interested in this content but I also felt when I left the Sunday Times I was googling around for kind of what I might do next or transformation I was looking for some stories that would be inspiring that would be like Hansel and Gretel pebbles out of the woods you know show you how yeah. to get away from the wicked witch um and <laughs> there was just nothing I mean there was just nothing and I felt really depressed about that and I thought well I've always been a big believer in you need to be the change you want to see so I was like right I'm going to set something up which will help women at this point who need a new direction a new focus a new chapter to get there and show them what that pathway might look like in very kind of visceral kind of granular terms mm. and um, I've been on a retreat myself and realized how powerful that could be in changing how you thought about your life and where you were going and also the community of other women on that journey so that was really the essence of noon was that I wanted to create a supportive community like I'd had when all my friends really rallied around me when I left the Sunday Times and I felt really supported by the people who really loved me and I wanted everyone who kind of had 
a change thrust upon them, which does happen to all of us, or, or you seek change or it's thrust upon you, but at this stage, it's going to happen, to have a supportive community there mm. to help them into that next act. And I just thought there was nothing out there that was doing anything like that. And since I had that idea, there's been a lot of stuff around menopause and all that kind of thing. Yes, but, yeah. And, mm. and does a, you know, we do a bit of menopause because we want women to get the treatment that they need so they don't yes. feel rubbish. But really, our focus is... This is the age of opportunity. You can do amazing things. Don't feel that it's over. We had um, menopause guru uh, Marion Stewart on this podcast, and she's just brilliant because she's very inspiring. So yeah, we, we feel. That's why I said we. I feel we've done menopause, and I. I don't think it's good for everything to be about that, you know, because no, I think we need to, you know, that it, it, yes, it happens. Life, yeah. Yeah. Yes. But life at midlife is much broader than menopause. And Absolutely. I, I read an article the other day saying, I don't want to be seen as a walking hot flush. <laughs> yeah. um, and I think that the danger of opening up this conversation, although it's important that we get the information that we need is that once again, women get branded by their yeah. biology. Yeah. And I didn't I, want to be, I didn't want to be defined by my biology when I was a teenager or when I was pregnant with my children. And I certainly don't want to be seen as a walking hot flush now. So I just think we need to get a bit of a balance there. Uh, I think uh, it's a bit of a bandwagon, which is like hot pink menopause. Yeah. I don't like that. I, me, me, me neither. And I, I do agree with you totally about the other things we have to deal with because I think we've had it thrust at us. You know, we are we have brains and we do other things. Rosie. Let's talk yes. about the <laughs> let's talk about the perils of being two perimenopausal women in a relationship together. I mean, the hot flushes must be spectacular in your household since we brought that up. But no, I mean, is yeah. it double trouble or or is it is there solidarity in sharing the experience? Are you the same age? You and your partner? No, she's just a little bit younger, so she's just a little <gasps> um, bit behind me. She is 46. So, um, yeah, there's that four-year age gap. And um, so, yeah, I'm kind of, I suppose, a barometer for her of what's to come. But I think <laughs> that actually at her age, I and she, as she is now, I think I was also experiencing more of the kind of mood swings yeah. and the kind of perimenopausal headaches and some of those symptoms mm. that happen and the ups and downs than I am now. I feel in a bit more of a calmer place. I mean, I'm still having fairly regular periods and yeah this kind of physical symptoms are not touch wood too bad for me at the moment but definitely I was experiencing some ups and downs in my mid-40s and uh, yeah my my partner has monumental mood swings <laughs> so I I it's I note in my book that it is uh pertinent for me to mark her monthly cycle in my diary and probably more important than my own monthly cycle because I need to know when to when to hide for cover <laughs> well I think I think men should do that as well because then they'll understand why their wives or partners are having massive mood swings they men get mood swings as well though you know oh, and yes. it's not oh, just yeah. us it's not just us. oh no of course of course not but it, it is really um it's just uncanny how with my partner it is on a particular day and yeah. she will say it as well she's like oh gosh I'm, I'm really sorry mm. I'm, I'm horrible today aren't I I'm 10 days away from my period and it's it's always a bit like this then um so we just have to navigate it yeah <laughs> well enough of the menopause I think we've done that now so yeah, um, we let, let's let's move on and talk about some of the more practical things that we're doing all of us um so i want to talk about getting older and funnier because i think that we do 
I th- and I think and I, the workplace, if we're talking about that and having fun at work, I think if you've got older women in the workplace, you, you, you're going to have a bit more fun because we're, we're le- we're le- we've got less to, less to prove. Um, and I want to make a very brief tribute here to... A, a, we lost a real older stateswoman of the comedy industry mm. in the last week, Lynn Ruth Miller. Yeah. She started comedy when she was 71 and wow. sadly, sadly, she died of aged 87. She was very poorly. But, mm. you know, what Lynn, taught, Lynn Ruth taught me was how to just grow old disgracefully. You know, she just, she, she did strip teases. <laughs> <laughs> she was just, she was outrageous. Rosie, you know her as well as I do. Um, yeah. A brief, brief word about that. Oh, she guested on my podcast and she was the oldest guest we'd had on and it was just wonderfully subversive to have a woman who was I think about 85 when she came on mm. to the podcast a couple of years ago and talking about sex and relationships and dating you know and how none of the yeah. men could get it up she <laughs> <laughs> was just brilliant you know yeah. and I think it does give me inspiration because I obviously focus a lot on sex and relationships and love and I think it's good to surprise an audience and and shock them at times you know that's often what laughter is it's it's an element of surprise and you know we were all listening to Lynn having this very you know active romantic life still and and desires and and feelings you know when we we sort of assume as we get older that we don't have any of that anymore and of course we do so it was really inspiring to have her on the show and she was just always so generous and kind and was always so appreciative whenever I booked her for an event I'm sure she was with you as well yeah she's fantastic so lovely and just yeah great inspiration Uh, uh, totally the epitome of growing older disgracefully and hilarious a lot of this presupposes that your health stays good as well doesn't it because if you're not in great health that that getting older experience can be very different my my mother had a a minor stroke a few weeks back and that is difficult to to watch because you know you see people sort of they're not the same people um and anyway my lesson out of that is to live life to the full now you know that you know I may following her footsteps in my 80s but you've got to get on with life and you've got to enjoy it and I love to work you know and I think that's the other thing um Eleanor just to talk about that because in the world of journalism there are quite a lot of brilliant older states women still writing and uh yeah. you know well, working um, Catherine Catherine Whitehorn was oh, a, um, the great, amazing was a great figure to me yes, she was friends yes. with my um my aunt Barbara Mills and she um, I remember kind of meeting her and her being impossibly yeah. glamorous and wafting around making great fun <laughs> at various kind of family parties. She was she was really inspirational. And um, of course, um, some of the photographers, Jane Bowen, who I work with at The Observer. Oh, she was incredible, yes. She was amazing. And Sally, um, Sally Soames, who I did a lot of interviewing with at The Sunday Times, who was an incredible portrait photographer. And she was outrageous. Mm. She would, I remember going to interview Gary Lineker with Sally. And Sally just became obsessed by Gary. She just kept <laughs> She wouldn't stop stroking him. Oh. And she was, Sally was probably about 70 at the time. So she was like, well, I can. And he didn't seem to mind. So she was just going, oh, you've got such wonderful skin and kind of stroking his skin and flirting outrageously with kind of Mikhail Gorbachev. I'd have to hold the, the, the kind of black backdrop, which is usually my back, my black cloak behind whoever it was. So we'd be like in the Ritz with Gorbachev. I'd be holding the coat 
Sally would have him against the window, flirting outrageously, <laughs> even kind of, you know, getting into her late 60s. So there were some wonderful um, examples of really gutsy women doing amazing things. It's very interesting about flirting in your when you're older because you actually feel it's quite a safe place because you think, I can flirt all I like because they they're never going to they're never gonna hit on me back, you know. It's my quite children, I have to say my daughters get quite cross if I flirt with their yes, friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're listening to How to Have Fun at Work, brought to you by Funny Women and Hilarious. Talk about working with older people as well and in, in inspiration. Uh, my, my early career, I worked for a very posh magazine, which in those days was called Harper's and Queen, but it's now Harper's. And I worked with some iconic, you know, older women, like Anne Barr and Leslie Kenton. And they were, I'd say older, they were probably only in their 40s when I worked for them. But, you know, they were the people who... I looked looked towards and they were the ones that helped me. And I think that's the thing in the workplace and in certainly in the comedy world, Rosie, I think yeah. you know, we talked about Lynn Reed. It's that passing on down, isn't it? That that heritage and the things that you you know, as an older person you've experienced. I mean, oh, who, who, what about your inspirations, Rosie, in that well, respect? Well, I was just thinking about when before comedy I worked for a little while as a music publicist at a PR oh, yeah. company and I worked for this really creative and interesting and slightly chaotic woman called Kaz Mercer who was a bit of a legendary oh, yes. music yes. publicist for a lot of kind of heavy rock bands like Metallica and so I worked in her offices and it really was a bit like an episode of Absolutely Fabulous <laughs> a lot of the time because we'd all been out and we're always hung over and I mean there was one time me and one of the the other girls did get have to go around to Kaz's house and wake her up. <laughs> but it was like that in those days. <laughs> it was like that in those days. Great. Yeah, in the early noughties, it, it was fun times, and we we always had lots of random journalists stumbling into the office, and it it was really fun. And because it was all women, we all synced up our periods <laughs> and our mood swings all synced up as well. But it was yeah, it was really fun times, and she was um, she was a really interesting kind of creative woman. Um, and I think that's where I learned a lot of my PR skills that I've put into place when I've been working on my own projects fairly independently with a lot mm. of my comedy shows and touring. And I've, you know, learned so much about putting a press release out there and getting press coverage and finding press angles. Yeah. Um, a lot, a lot of that from her also as my time doing some journalism myself as well. Um, but I was really interested in earlier on, we were talking about having change thrust upon you. And also Lynn, you touched on uh, loss and that sometimes being a catalyst for seizing the day if you like and I think my real change came when my mum sadly passed away oh, yeah. and um, when I turned 30 I, I went through this real transition point where I stopped a career in music that sort of had some potential and was going well and eventually did find my way into comedy in my mid-30s and Funny Women was really a, a vital part of that and, and finding myself in the in the finals of the competition. It's a long um, time ago I, now, isn't it? I mean, yeah, I know, know. it just seems like another world. Yeah. yeah, so I think that, that was a real time of transition and in some ways I sort of experienced a loss that we expect to have 
more to a time of midlife, a little bit earlier in in my life. And I think the loss of your mother is is a big deal for a woman. And I think that that spurred this change where perhaps I wanted to explore something lighter and more playful because mm. my music that I was writing was all quite heavy and, <laughs> and sad. So I couldn't really deal with that anymore. But ultimately, I think I've come back to my comedy having more depth and reflection as well, because of course I've I've turned it into this slight hybrid where I do these more thoughtful shows and this podcast and a book with a lot of science and psychology mm. and and a lot more to it a lot more layers as well and I do think those losses are real catalysts for change whether it's a breakup or a bereavement I want to pick up on that because I do think as older women and I am the oldest here but your, your life is episodic and you do things in you know, if you have a family, there's your family years and then you start a new career or whatever. And I've definitely had three separate careers, you know, journalism, then PR and now whatever I do now, some comedy production. Um, and I, I'm, I don't want to, you know, I think, Eleanor, this is interesting because I think what you've hit on with the noon concept and calling it noon just sort of epitomizes that really and I think that what I love about what you're doing with it is it, it it is like you've got the book club and you've got your special guests and it's a nice dip in and dip out so you are appealing to people as they hit these different episodes of their life um so yeah I mean does that fit in with what happened in your life or is that just sort of your how you've distilled all this into your latest project uh, yes absolutely absolutely did so um when i left when i left the sunday times and everyone in journalism knows that at some point they'll be spat off a wave <laughs> um basically they brought they brought in a new editor and new editor brings in a new team and you're out mm. um and that's really painful when you've given so much life so much of your yeah. life creativity and your kind of essence of yourself um, to a place and then you realize that actually ultimately you're a number a kind of a number on a spreadsheet and you're ousted from that tribe that you've very much seen as kind of part of your identity and that was that was really you know I'm not, I'm not mm. going to be about the vision it was very no, it's process. hard it's really, really hard yeah um, and it's, it's very kind of, and it's very sapping and you feel kind of very lonely and quite shamed and you kind of humiliated and I really did have this amazing kind of group of friends who who kind of really stuck by me and my family. And I just thought, I began to look around, the more honest I was with people about how I was feeling, because I would be you know, quite cheerful, I was be quite successful, I was be quite upbeat. And when people said to me, well, how are you? And I said, well, actually, I'm, you know, pretty bad. It's been, my, my got to the point where my daughters were like, come downstairs and they go, oh, you're not crying. You know, that's, you know, that's, that's good. When, you're, when your teenagers start worrying if you're all right, you know, you really are in a bad way. Um, so, but I kind of came through that quite quickly. But what it really made me realise was how everybody has that moment. It was it wasn't just me. For me, it was kind of quite spectacular. But it was it was so not just me. And the more open I was about it, and I wrote about it a lot, um, the more women came to me going, "Thank you for being so honest about it." And it was it was horrid to do. It's like you must have this in comedy too. It's like kind of going. My friend decorate to head, who's written a lot about her life said that it's like kind of going out get out in public without your knickers on and you're kind of running down the street <laughs> naked she says if you get out there naked everybody else will join you because the reason why it connects is because that you're being really honest about something mm. that everybody feels and I think that there's you so I really made that my founding story for doing so we talk about redundancy bereavement divorce um 
or cheerful. Uh, empty <laughs> nets, those fun empty things. Nets, menopause, you know, health problems. But my accent has always been very much on joy because what for me has come out of this big period of transition is a sense of being really stripped back to a much more essential self that you get rid of a lot of the kind of overgrowth, a bit like pruning a plant back to its kind of essential sap. Hmm. And I feel so much like I'm traveling much lighter. Um, I feel so renewed and energized by running my own show and what we've been able to create and creating something new and which feels like it's really chiming with people. And actually now, if you turn around to me and said, okay, will you go back to the Sunday Times? I'd say, absolutely no way. I love hmm. what I'm doing now because I have much more of my uh, my life. So I arrange my day so I can go swimming every lunchtime in the pond in Hampstead. And if the sun is shining, I'll kind of go for a walk with my daughter. And all those things that when you've been really enthralled to a big corporation for nearly quarter of a century, you always kind of put off because the beast always comes first. There's just the sense of amazing um, kind of renewal and lightness in not kind of not having to be that person anymore. Yeah, Eleanor, yeah. I would I would like to be there again because you know, twenty years on with Funny Women, uh, I feel, <laughs> I feel like I feel like I'm back in another beast. You know, oh. it's, it's just so, so relentless because there is an expectation when you mm. run something for quite a long time. Either people don't realise it that the new adopters are great because they think it's all fresh and shiny and new, but mm. you know, I think that's another thing about getting older. You know, you just I get to the point I think oh, I've got to do this again, you know. Mm. <laughs> Haven't I already done this? And what about those younger people coming up, you know? And they're, they're, there's lots of... I think what women do is they reinvent the wheel a lot. So you mm. get a new generation of women thinking, oh, I'll start up a, you mm. know, a funny women type thing. And you think, well, actually, we've all done this. Um, but, I, you know, but I Lynn, think that's... You're, you're inspiring people. And I, I was going oh, to... Oh, I'll, thank, just I'll take give... that. <laughs> give a nod, give a nod to the power of funny women networking in that I've just launched my book in Australia. Bloomsbury have published oh, it there gosh, as well. Yeah, with, yeah. And I have just um, had a fabulous online book launch. And the person who found me a, a wonderful retailer to partner with for that was uh, Justine Sless, yeah. funny women's Australian producer. So the She's funny fabulous. women networks that you've built up are really, you know, it goes way beyond yeah. what you can probably see happening yes. day to day. I think There's that's the, re that's the renewal. Yeah, that's the renewal thing. That's the development. And noon will be like that. You know, it's going to have, oh. you know, chapters all over the world in, well, in 10 years' time. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's so interesting um, that Eleanor was talking, you know, about this kind of professional breakup because I talk about these other types of endings and breakups in my book because I think we have less social scripts for getting through those than we do the sort of romantic breakup which has all the love songs and oh go and eat your ice cream and chocolate and so on and I think that there are these other types of endings that we just feel even more all at sea friendship breakups as well and I think it's important to talk about mm. those because we feel those losses sometimes even more keenly particularly at, at midlife when we may be going through them mm. in conjunction with other losses and changes and also to say that yes I totally agree that these seemingly serious events do have a lot of humor attached to them as well in these difficult dramatic times I mean I always joke about 
how when I got dumped by email, that sort of triggered all this research into breakups. But, you know, I joke that I felt much better after correcting her spelling and, and punctuation <laughs> and changing the font. Um, and, you know, and you find humour. It's that old adage that tragedy plus time equals comedy. And, you know, when um, my first relationship broke down at not long after my mum had died, we had this terrible house fire where we lost loads of our stuff. And, it, you know, it was a really awful time, but something very funny happened because one of my friends gave me a bag of her clothes to wear because all my clothes had been ruined, gone up in smoke. And she kind of rooted down the back of her wardrobe for all this stuff. And it, it was okay. There was some good stuff in there that I could wear. And then I found her old brownie uniform in there. <laughs> which was Lovely. just weird I thought, when I am I going that. to wear that <laughs> <laughs> well listen uh we're going to wind up now because we've all got to go back to work and oh. and just with that in mind I would really love your uh, top tips for how you have fun at work so Eleanor what's what's your what's your top tip well I think do something that you really love and believe in um, work with people who make you laugh. And one of the great things about running your own company is you choose who you employ. So I've always had a real, um, well, even at Sunday times, I just have what I used to call a no wankers rule, which is, you know, <laughs> which is pretty self-explanatory. I love that. Yeah. No wankers. So yeah, so work with people who, who you know, get you and that you have a laugh with and, and do something that you love. And I think also for me now, there's just a real sense of real, um, pleasure in being able to kind of helping people or people coming to us who are really kind of struggling with the transition and saying don't worry we've got you we can see you through this we've been there and we know what it's like to walk that path and we can help you marvelous uh rosie your top tip well, I think the, the best rules for life that I ever heard were when I performed comedy at a sex party, <laughs> uh, an experience which do. I have written about in my books. And it was it was a lovely gig. Everyone was in a great mood. Um, <laughs> but um, on going in, we had to kind of sign up to a charter of rules about accountability, mutual respect, respecting people's boundaries and doing things with great respect and a kind of consciousness about other people, which I had just never heard anybody talking about until I went into this, what could have been quite an extreme environment, but turned out to be this really safe and respectful space. I mean, I didn't go into the room where the more full-on stuff was happening, um, <laughs> but it, it was this wonderful sense of actually, if you make people aware, there is this sense of being respectful to one another, of accountability. Hmm. And you couldn't actually enter the space without what they called a pal, which was somebody who would vouch for your behaviour and take you home if you were being a bit weird or I, th- I think we or... should all. I think we should all do that at work. I think that's great. Yeah. You know, you yeah, have, have someone to take you into the office and hold your hand, you know. <laughs> well, exactly. You're being an arsehole. <laughs> Yeah, but someone who's going to call you out if you are being an arsehole yeah. and say, look, if you carry on like that, I've got to, you know, I've I've said I'll be yeah. responsible for your behaviour, so I've got to go if you're going to, yeah. you know, and then you just have a sense of, of community and actually not not letting down your community of, of people. Mm. And I think that is, is really important. But, you know, I just think it's funny that that was where I really heard these Your words. life lesson, yeah. <laughs> My life lesson was, was going to a sex party. Brilliant. <laughs> Um, now, Eleanor, tell our listeners where they can find you. So uh, I'm Eleanor Mills on most different kinds of bits of social media. And Noon is um, 
it's at www.noon.org.uk and we're all over instagram linkedin um and that's the website so come and and check out what we're doing we'd love brilliant and rosie where can we find you I'm on Twitter at Rosie Wilby and on Instagram at Breakup Monologues. And the book, The Breakup Monologues, is available on Amazon and Waterstones and all your usual places, bookshop.org as well. And also the podcast, The Breakup Monologues, is available on all podcast platforms. And I think, fingers crossed, you might be able to read a little extract of my book on noon. So, <laughs> Eleanor, oh, that's well, very exciting. I hope be sharing oh, oh, that yes, soon. Oh, that's going my... up now. We're going to have the funny bit about the the two menopausal ladies on a canal trip. It made me laugh out loud on my train in Scotland the other day. So I highly recommend it. My oh, my, um, my rate my rates are very cheap for the introduction. So uh, okay, <laughs> no, no, that's brilliant. That's such good news. Uh, thank you both very much. Um, see you again very soon at high noon. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> bye. Yeah, that would be great. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to How to Have Fun at Work with Lynn Parker. If you like us, please subscribe, review and share. Chicken, 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 chicken.